Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. For today's podcast, I got to sit down with Dan Calandro in his beautiful home just outside Indianapolis. Dan is a meaningful figure in my life. He was the athletic director at Knox College during my four years there. During that time, he helped create one of the most memorable experiences of my life and from there has gone on to do the same for countless student athletes at the collegiate level. I say that because Dan has spent about 35 years in collegiate sports primarily working with the NCAA. The reason he's out in Indianapolis is because that's where the NCAA headquarters is located. He's worked there on a number of different projects and a few different departments including enforcement, championships, academic and membership affairs, and governance. He's got some amazing stories to share, multiple stories from the NCAA Final Four, including a guest appearance by none other than MC Hammer. We kick today's podcast off with a bit of an explanation into what it's like to be an investigator for the NCAA. I am personally proud to bring you coach, mentor, leader in athletics, and friend to myself and the Good Athlete Project, Dan Calandro. So I was an investigator for the first four years. It was the most interesting job I've ever had. And I've been lucky to have quite a few, but it was by far the most interesting job. Not the most fun, but the most interesting job to go out and interview people. It's just interesting stuff because you're this NCA guy. They have to talk to you. They don't want to talk to you, but they have to talk to you. Now, they may lie to you. Yeah. They may stonewall you. But if they're at an NCA member institution, they can't say, sorry, I'm not talking to you. Mm-hmm. They got to talk to you. The rules require it. But that was always a fun, interesting part was to go to some player's home, try to talk to a parent, sibling, girlfriend, boyfriend, say you're from the NCA. It was funny to see their reaction because they also thought they had to. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to. There was no sure. law that said they had to. Sure. But many of them would talk to you because they thought they, they, they were kind of afraid of you. So anyway, it was a really interesting job, but it's a tough job. You're out there by yourself, knocking on doors, or you're on a campus, interviewing coaches, ADs, boosters. Oftentimes they're lying to you. Yeah, you know they're lying to you. Um, you're you're trying to you're trying to get them to say, "Come on, coach, that that, that can't that can't be right. right." I got this guy told me this. You're telling me this. One of you's not telling the truth. I got 30 guys that told me you gave them $500 after that win. You were saying you didn't do that? Hmm. I sure didn't, Dan. I don't know where that came from. Hmm. So all 30 were lying. So that's the kind of stuff that you yeah. Sure. So I, interesting, though. And wildly interesting. And, and am I right to assume you'd only be called in, obviously, when there's something to investigate. So some rule has been broken and serious enough to call in the NCAA. Yeah, you get a lead somewhere. Sure. It could be an anonymous call from a parent saying... Hey, my son is a football player at Knox College, and the athletic director there has given him 500 bucks every Friday. I'm not going to change his name. I'm not going to change my name. Click. Hmm. All right. I use Knox College because we were paying you $500. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Got that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, some lead of some sort. It might be another school calling in. Yeah. The kid may have transferred from school A to go to school mm-hmm. B, and yeah. now he wants to talk about school A because he didn't get to play. He got hurt. They didn't take care of him. He now transfers to B. He's mad at A. So you mm-hmm. got to sort through, is he telling the truth? Is he making this stuff up? Mm-hmm. It might be a newspaper. Newspaper reporters are unbelievable when it comes to investigative reporting. They, you know, they can turn a lot of stuff. You know, we might, the NCAA might, first thing they might read is an article in the paper about some school that is cheating. All because some reporter did a lot of work on this before he wrote the mm-hmm. article. Yeah. So you take those leads and you just try to figure out are they accurate or not. I mean, you can't just go on every sure. every call that comes in because a lot of them are made up. They aren't true. You can't substantiate them. Right. Um, but but that's how the, that's how it works. You get leads. You decide if you want to follow up on them, and then you go and and inside guys. They've got guys and gals right now today. I'm sure mm-hmm. paving the pavement, trying to talk to some parent, some former player, yeah, some boyfriend or some girlfriend about what happened when Jimmy was at Institution A. Right. So that's that. There it is. Yep. And um, um, can you, okay, so I don't know how in-depth you can go with some of these things, but uh, so you went from investigation 
to referee rules, regulations, all that kind of stuff. What was, what was one of the most influential or exciting projects you worked on during that time? And then I've got another sort of tricky follow-up for you. Well, it was it was definitely when I, I was a part of the men's basketball staff um, and I, for about a seven-year period. And I it was from 1992 to 1999. Um, I was called director of men's basketball. And so that involved the Final Four. And that involved working with the officials. That involved working with the tickets. Mm-hmm. That involved not as not as much as a couple other guys, but some of the facility work. But working on the final four, the men's final four from 1992 to 1999, probably it would have to be the highlight of my sure. time because it's such a high exposure, yeah. high you know, high profile event. And it was, um, you know, whether it was in San Antonio or it was in Seattle or or it was in Charlotte, North Carolina, it didn't matter where the final four was. The cities just wrapped their arms around it. Hmm. And and wanted to do such a great job mm-hmm. so that you might come back in four years or six years or eight years that you you kind of became this our staff. It was a small staff. There were there were eight of us and three of us did most of the traveling. So these cities got to know you. Yeah. Whether you went to the Rotary Club or you went to local high schools, you became kind of this person in the city of well, that's the NCA guy. You know, yeah, he's, right. He's in charge of the Final Four. Why am mm-hmm. I in charge of the Final Four? Mm-hmm. As part of a team. Mm-hmm. But when they, oh you're you're in charge of well no I'm part of a team <laughs> right but to them you were this oh my goodness this is the final four yeah so in some ways it was this uh, you'd come and we would go and, and we'd travel to these cities a lot to try and make sure that everything was in place so mm-hmm. that when those four teams did come in on the Tuesday before the final four if they arrived on Wednesday whatever day they got there that what they needed was there mm-hmm. they could concentrate on the game. The players had a great experience. The fans that followed them, those hotel rooms were reserved. Those restaurants were open. The There was no highway construction going on that week. There right. Was, I mean, all these little things that a city does to just operate. We spent hours working with the police, the fire department, the hotels, security, trying to make sure that when that event got there on that week, that it was as smooth as it could be. Right. And it just was a lot of stuff, but it was unbelievably fun. Right. And when you get there on and stressful, but as I said, the enforcement was not, was probably the, one of the least favorite jobs, but it was the most interesting job. Sure. It's funny. You walk on a campus as an enforcement guy and the AD says to you in a tone, how long are you going to be here? Right. Hoping that maybe you're going to just do one interview and leave. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to be here all week, Mr. A.D. or Miss A.D. Oh, geez. I mean, I got to interview 20 people. Oh, my goodness. You know, they just, the opposite. When you work in championships right. and you go to a town, they say, how are they going to be here? Right. I mean, they hope you're here for like three weeks. They sure. can't wait to take you to their favorite restaurant or to show you this really cool museum they have or get you to the facility and show you their facility, how proud they are of it. And they've added this new, you know, they just remodeled the suites and they want you to see them. Or they just bought a new court and they can't wait to put the new court down. Or they just remodeled their media center. I mean, they just, they can't wait to show you. Right. Indianapolis is that way. It's been a phenomenal city for events, but it puts money into its facilities. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, 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 it's a, it was a fabulous experience because mm-hmm. of the positive feelings you got from these cities. Sure. That wanted you to come back. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me. It was I was the NCA guy. Well, to it be wasn't Dan Clan. I mean, it could have been could have been you. Could have been any. I'm the NCA person. Okay, it doesn't matter your name. We're going to make sure you have a good time. A right. good time. It doesn't mean good time in terms of keeping you out late or right. It, it meant in terms of we're going to make sure that you get where you need to go. Mm-hmm. We're going to if there's traffic bad, we'll come get you and drive you to the arena. We want to make sure you right. get to the arena or whatever it was. And and our motive was to make sure that when those four teams got there, sure their experience was as good as it could be. Right. So that Saturday, when that first semifinal game gets to be ready to get tipped off, let's say it's 522, and tip-off is at 522, and you're sitting there at the table, scores table, and you're looking around, and this arena's got 60,000 people in it, and the two teams come out, and the place erupts, and it's a good game, and it comes down to the last five minutes. And now the second semifinal fans, they're in there too now, so now the place is packed. All four teams – Fans are there. First semifinal is about to end. 
The second semifinal is 40 minutes away, but their fans are in there. It's, you know, pick a team. It's Kentucky against North Carolina. It's coming down to the wire. The place is packed. All four teams at this point still think they're going to win it. Nobody's lost yet. Oh, it's the best. The Saturday semifinal is the best because all four teams still think they're going to win and they're going to get and come back to play on Monday. Monday is kind of fun, but you don't have four four teams there. You got two teams there. Right. A lot of fans have left. People bought tickets on the street or whatever. But that Saturday of the semifinals is phenomenal because of the energy. It sounds like a very special thing. I can't imagine. The... um, so those yeah, are my, mean, that's my highlight. That's what I was going to Final Four. And, and how do you replicate that? Do you miss that? Can uh, you it, took, it probably took years off my life. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was hard. Yeah. It was a lot of, lot of, I mean, Knox was a lot of hours, but at Knox, you got home at whatever time it was. Sure. A reasonable. And you weren't worried about what ESPN was going to put on TV. Mm-hmm. With the men's Final Four, it just happened this year. It was all over the news. The men's Final Four was providing more things than what oh, the yeah. women's Final Four was providing. Yeah, the weight training facilities. Is, mm, I mean, that, that's the nightmare as a staff member is right. that all of a sudden the media is on something, hopefully good, but if they're on yeah. something that's not shining a positive light on it, it's like, oh my goodness. So so you that's essentially what you would have done was consider elements like that back in the day. So if you had to reflect on this, not pointing fingers, and only if you feel comfortable saying it, where, where was the miss this year? The report came out yesterday. Okay. Uh, the NC hired a law firm last April, maybe, to come in and do a full review of the men's and women's tournaments for starters. And that's what the report was that was issued. I was just reading it when you got here. Wow. Um, they're also going to do phase two, which is do a review of all sports now, cross-country, track, uh, softball, baseball, football, softball, whatever. But this report initially was, what were the difference between the men's and women's tournaments why, what can be done better. It's an interesting read because for me, I look back at what we were doing in the 90s. The women's Final Four was not nearly as big as the men's. Mm-hmm. The women's Final Four staff or the basketball staff was not nearly as big as the men's. Unfortunately, that's still true. The staffs aren't as big. Mm-hmm. The event's not as big. The NCAA doesn't spend as much money on the two events. The NCAA doesn't generate as much money on the two events. Right. And I mean, that's the report is interesting because it does talk about some of the differences. Weight room is a good example. At this year's men's final four in Indianapolis, if the pictures are accurate and the report's accurate, I wasn't there. I didn't see this. But there's a pretty nice weight room in one of the hotels. Yeah. They've converted one of the ballrooms to a weight room. The women's final four, at least the first few days of the tournament, they didn't have any kind of like that set up. Right. They were going to have something set up the second weekend, but not the first weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, that came to light. A lot of people in the media jumped on it. Why wouldn't the women have the same setup as the men? But that's the sort of stuff, yeah, that as a staff member, yeah. when you're working on a whole pro- high-profile event, you're worried that you're missing something. Mm-hmm. That's going to hurt the whole you know, the whole game, the whole image. Sure. Um, so even in the 90s, we would be worried about, you know, there were high-profile coaches in that would blast you. We had a, a coach one year in particular – High-profile coach, his practice time on Sunday, they won their semifinal. Mm-hmm. So now they're going to play Monday. Okay. Their practice time on Sunday in the arena on the floor was from 11 to noon. Mm-hmm. The other team was going to practice from 1 to 2. Well, at 11 o'clock, they're not there yet. It sounds silly, but we limit it to one hour. That's It's in the manual. You know that, coach. Yep. You got one hour to practice on Sunday. Maybe they should have two hours or five hours. But they have one. Your time's from 11 to noon. Yep. The other team's coming in from 1 to 2. Or 11. They show up at 11.15. Okay, guys, they break the balls out. Coach, just remind you, you're, you're, the clock's running. We ran the clock. You've got right. 45 minutes left. Right. Why don't we have 45 minutes? We in our practice, don't we? No, it's your time started at 11 o'clock. Yeah. And he erupted. Really? Knocked over the rack of balls, started cussing at us. It was our fault. We were trying to cheat them. Of course you are. <laughs> that, what an amazing thing. By the way, just before we hit record, we were talking about the value of emotion regulation. Emotion regulation, and that's amazing. So this high-profile person, I won't name, make you name anybody, but... Uh, Erupt, but because yeah. they thought they had an hour practice whenever, whenever they got they, there. Right, right. 
We made it clear in the meeting today. Of course. Before. Of course. You start. You guys are eleven to. You guys are twelve. Got an hour. We're going to start the clock. You know, so on the scoreboard, it said forty-five minutes left. It didn't say sixty. Right. He couldn't believe we weren't going to give it. Not a big. Well, probably a big deal. Doesn't seem like a big deal. Why wouldn't we just extend it fifteen more minutes? Right. And say why be such a knucklehead and not extend it fifteen more? Because yeah. Again, NCAA's always uses line because that that was what was put in place. Right. Both teams understand. Right. Well, why not extend it? Okay, so if he showed up at twelve thirty, we're going to extend it to one thirty. Right. The other team got to go from one to two. Right. Well, so it's but that that fear that you were going to mess up mm-hmm. takes years off your life. I believe work it. In one of those and do you take that personally because you didn't mess up in that case? I knew we were okay. I mean, I yeah. knew, I mean, I knew right. that, coach, and I knew nobody would. If if ESPN would have got the news, they might say, "I can't believe the NCAA wouldn't give them the fifteen more minutes." Right. Okay. That's and, fair. You, and you say, "I can't believe a national championship coach couldn't show up on time." <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Yeah. You, can, you, yeah. you might think, but that's the policy. It's it's right. an hour. Maybe it should be an hour and fifteen. Maybe it should be two hours. Right. Maybe we should just say, "Come whenever you want." Mm-hmm. Okay, come whenever you want. Well, both teams get there at the same time. That's not going to be so cool. That's right. So you put them in place. The NCAA is the bad guy or yeah. bad gal that's got to enforce it, and. You know, so that stuff just kind of when you work it, and some people worked on the NCAA for a long time. Mm-hmm. I worked on it for seven years. It was a fabulous. I was lucky. I was blessed to yeah. do it. Yeah. Had the office not moved from Kansas City to Indianapolis, I might still be working on the Final Four still. Really? Maybe. Sure. Because it was such a fabulous experience. Right. I'd have a lot more gray hair, a lot less hair. <laughs> but because it all happened, the NCAA office was moving. Indianapolis. Yeah. My wife and I decided to stay, so I took, you know, I resigned my position to stay in Kansas City. Otherwise, we would have moved here. I would have stayed on the basketball staff. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe I would be running the whole show by now. I That's right. doubt it. But uh, seven years was fabulous. But just stuff like, have you heard of MC Hammer? Have I heard of MC Hammer? You taught me how to dance. Yeah. Okay. You got time for this one? <laughs> yeah, of course. So MC Hammer. Michigan. Do I have time for an MC Hammer MC story? The answer is always yes. 1992. Michigan's in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Fab Five. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've heard of the Fab Five. Of course I have. Okay. Yeah. So it's in New Orleans. Halftime of the semifinal game. I forget. They're playing North Carolina, I think. You're carrying around these big walkie-talkies back then. You didn't yeah. have these earplugs and big walkie-talkies. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We've got some guys in the Michigan locker room that shouldn't be there. Yeah. It's halftime. They shouldn't be there. They don't have a pass to get in, but they're in there. Boss looks at me and says, you want to go take care of sure, I'll go. So I go tromping down the hallway. The Superdome in, in New Orleans is huge. It takes yeah. you forever to get to the locker room. I'm hoping that by the time I get there, maybe it's all taken care of. You sure. Know? I'm on my way. Okay. Get there. And sure enough, there are a group of guys, six to eight guys hanging outside the Michigan locker room. I walk up. Hey, guys, you got passes to be here in this hallway? They all kind of, I don't know. I don't know you sure we need? Yeah, you got to have a pass to be in this hallway. You have to have an all-access pass to be in this hallway. Open the door, and out of the Michigan locker room comes MC Hammer. I And I, they told me it was MC Hammer, so I, I didn't know that I could pick him out of a crowd. I thought I could, but when he walked out of the locker room, I could, yeah, that's yeah. MC Hammer. What's going on? I mean, what's... Well, these guys don't have passes. Do you have a pass? Nope, don't have a pass. Well, you guys can't be here. You you can't, you just, sorry, you can't be here. Well, what if we do have a pass? Well, then I'd ask you where you got the pass. Right. Sure enough, MC opens up his coat and he's got an all access pass. Yeah. So I'm, that's incredible. So I'm, all right, now I can't throw him out. He's got a pass to be here. His five or six other guys, they don't have passes. Yeah. Uh, They finally all kind of move on and, leave you know so I don't have to do anything be the bad guy but I go back sit next to my boss he said well how'd that go I said no <laughs> and he knew I said MC Emmer he actually had a pass he did where did he get a pass I don't know he wouldn't tell me I love that so anyway I love that I, I think um, that just goes I mean the Fab Five have you seen that documentary I assume yes, yes I mean yes. that just fits with the persona of the team so well well, that, that game comes down to the wire, the North Carolina-Michigan game. Yeah. Silly. Sounds silly now, but it's coming down to the wire. I don't know if you remember how it ends, but Chris Weber gets a technical I do, for I trying remember, to call a yeah. timeout they don't have. Wait, wait. MC, that's the game that MC Hammer was in? I think it's all the same game. Oh, I, 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 if not, I'm going to say it was. 
I don't want a good story to get in the way here. Facts. That's right. The facts get in the way of the good story. But I think it was, I'm not sure it was. I, I'm, I'm forgetting. But in, I actually know North Carolina plays Michigan in the championship game. Yeah, that's so right. I think, I think MC Hammer was a Saturday afternoon semifinal. But the killer on the Michigan Notre Dame game or North Carolina game is as the game's winding down, one of my duties was when the game ends, get the AD from that winning school, get the coach's wife, get people onto the court that should be on the court to help celebrate. Because mm-hmm. security's tight. And we're not letting people on the, we're not going to let people go. They'd sometimes run on the court. So I'm sitting over there next to the Michigan, because it looks like Michigan's going to win. I remember this today. I'm going to let the Michigan AD, his, and some parents or some, uh, the coach's wife get onto the court because, you know, I'm just going to get, make sure security lets them on so they don't get hung up. Again, it's one of these things you worry about. Well, if the security guy says, no, no, you can't come on the court. Right. Wait a minute. No, I, they, so I'm over there and all of a sudden Chris Weber calls a timeout and all of a sudden the game is going to end differently. I remember scurrying around the outside mm-hmm. trying to get over now to the, North Carolina side, sure, should have had two people. Okay, in hindsight, we should have had one each day. Yeah, sure. we didn't. It was me. We should have had, you know, my colleague on the North Carolina side. Right. So I'm scurrying to get over there before the game is over so I can get the AD's attention and the coach's wife's attention. Say, you can come down here. You can get out. Oh, I remember, again, I probably lost a year of my life. I believe Trying that. to hurry to get over there because... Chris Weber calls a timeout, changes the end of the game, and now North Carolina is going to win it. That's unbelievable. What a story. And yeah, that right, is. So that's another. No, no, no. I love that stuff. So you, you say, do I know about that? That's one of the most epic moments in the history of college sports, probably. So actually, what, a, what an important transition uh, you bring up the Fab Five. What are, what are your thoughts on the way the NCAA is sort of realigning? Uh, you know, w- with sponsorships, with all the... It's an amazing time yeah. to see where it's going to go. Maybe it'll all settle a year or two or three from now. And we'll say, yeah, that was kind of a bump in the road, but yeah. we got through it. I don't know. I just saw in the paper two days ago, a high-profile SEC quarterback was somewhere. I don't know on, on what what how he announced it. Was getting a new F1, new new new, new Ford truck. Sure. As part of a sponsorship that he can now legally get. Yeah. I can't help but think if I'm a quarterback at one of those other schools, I want me a Tesla. I don't want a right. pickup. Right. Perfectly legal. I get my name on the billboard. The Jim Davis uh, Ford dealership can give me a truck. Yeah. I don't know where it'll go. But right now, as it's as it's bubbling, it's hard to say where it'll end up. And again, maybe it'll settle down. Yeah. I don't know. You you were an offensive lineman. What would you think if the quarterback's driving an F one fifty and you're driving the you know, the two thousand Volkswagen Jetta that your parents gave you that's got a hundred thousand miles on it and you're an offensive lineman well, not getting anything? I would have felt that that was pretty generous because what I was actually driving at the time was like a 1985 Buick station wagon. So, so that, uh, that would have been, but I, but I hear you. I, I, you know what I think of, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. It, it, it is very clear to me that this has potential to be a, a real mess. Um, but maybe that's what folks like you and the NCAA have done is you've sorted through the mess and you've given some, some rigor and some templates and some scaffolding to this otherwise really complicated. I don't think in this one that's the case. I think, think so. it, yeah. it could well be a mess. It may not. It may settle down. Yeah. But it isn't. Uh, I think it's clear from what I've seen from press releases from the NCAA office. Again, I'm not there anymore. Right. I'm not. I don't see President Emmert in the hallway. I, I'm, I'm not in those. I'm not in those. I wasn't that high level either. I wasn't in those meetings. But what I read, I'm, I've, it seems to me the NCA is saying, the NCA office is saying, okay, uh, if this is where you want to go, schools, if this is where you want to go, state legislatures, you're passing yeah. state laws that probably aren't in the best interest. It doesn't right. seem to us yeah. in terms of this association. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a new way to do it. Maybe there's a new organization called the National Student Athlete Association. Yeah. That now takes over. I mean, the NCA is not a, it's not legislated by the government. It was founded right. in 1906 because Teddy Roosevelt said to a bunch of college presidents in, 19, in 1906, you need to form an association to put rules in place to make football right. safer. Right. That's, that's what happened. Hmm. Those presidents formed an organization yep. now called the NCAA, adopted that name in 1906 to put rules in play to make the sport you love, yeah. football, 
safer. Yeah. That was the beginning. Mm-hmm. Here we are 115 years later. Maybe it goes away. There could be another organization. I can't. I, I sure hope it doesn't. And that's just. But but I do think what there's such a distinction between tiers. And and for me, it's it's um, I've always asked this question because we have this sort of prevailing mantra. Does your behavior match your goal? And so we'll take so take something as basic as strength and conditioning. The way that we look at youth development, um, long-term athlete development sort of as a concept uh, is different than the way we look at a, a high school freshman, sophomore, which is a little different than the way we look at a junior, senior, different than a college athlete, different than a pro or an Olympian or Olympic hopeful. Uh, so you tear that out. Uh, couldn't the expectation be different per level? It seems to me that uh, there's, there, there will always be a place for the NCAA, at least I hope. They're not obligated by law to be a member of the NCAA. No. Now, the NCAA's got this basketball tournament that generates a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That we just talked about a while ago. Generates a boatload of money. Yeah. But when you start looking at the math, yeah, what football generates and what the NCAA basketball tournament generates, if you're a commissioner, you've got to think long and hard about if I'm charged with having 15 sports, yeah. 20 sports, tennis, golf, that don't generate any money. Right. i got to generate money to cover a lot of stuff. Football is what's generating the money these days. Right. So what's to stop a group of schools, yeah. a group of conferences, to start their own hmm. football association? Right. Call it the National Football, National Collegiate, the NCFA, National yeah. Collegiate Football Association. All they're going to do is spawn, all they're going to do is manage college football. Yeah. Sure. But it's not etched in stone that this model has to exist. Right. Is it going to change? It might. It might. Because... That is so interesting. State legislatures, once those, once the state legislatures start getting hmm. involved, saying, hey, we don't... In essence, they're saying, we don't care about the NCAA rule. Yeah. In our state, it's legal to do blank, blank, blank. Right. Well, if only one state would have said that, the NCAA could have mm-hmm. held on. California was the first. Right. And theirs was going to go into effect in like 2022 or 2023. So it was two or three years away. If they're the only state that would have enacted some rules that conflicted with the NCA rules, and the rest of the state said, go ahead, California, do that if you want, yeah. the NCA probably could have held firm as an association and said, your schools aren't going to be eligible to compete. Mm-hmm. But what happened were other states started saying, hmm, if California's going to do that, yeah. Florida, Texas, Georgia, mm-hmm. we'll pass rules like that. In fact, we're going to make ours effective in 2022. Yeah. Well, then another state steps up and says, hmm, we'll make our rules similar, different, but similar. We're going to make ours effective in 2021. So all of a sudden, what California was going to do in 2023, had no other state gotten active, the association probably could have held, in my opinion, could have held firm Mm -hmm. and said, okay, California, you're just not going to be eligible to play in these NCAA events anymore. Right. But that's not what happened. Right. These other states said, I'm going to do that too. I want to do that too. Hmm. I want to do it better than them. I'm going to make mine sooner than theirs. Yeah. Was it so they could recruit? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Was it so? Maybe it was simply because they think their student athletes deserve to drive a pickup truck or a Tesla sure. or a new Cadillac because they're high profile. Mm-hmm. There's a dealership in town that wants to put your picture on a billboard and right. have you endorse their. So these states, when they started, when more states jumped on board. As I see it, it made it hard. The association then, as an association, all of a sudden it was like, okay, now it's not just California. Mm -hmm. Other states are saying the same thing. Mm. Okay, we're going to let this kind of see what happens here. Yeah, this is going to be so interesting to watch. I think one one reason that I'm reacting the way that that I am is I haven't seen a ton of that over my lifetime, Uh, meaning I I don't remember when there wasn't an NCAA and it wasn't these or NSCA even yeah, National Strength and Conditioning Association. Certainly that's been, I, I'm sure it probably originated in my lifetime. I just don't remember a time when, but isn't there, is there another strength and conditioning? Well, association? So, I mean, NSCA is, that's the top. No, but are there no other associations? There are, there are others. There are other associations They're besides sort of the NCAA. Up. Yeah. There's an NAIA. Right. There's a National Collegiate Christian Athletic That's Association, right. the That's NCCAA. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Junior College Athletic Association. Right. I'm, I'm, there's sure. even one or two other 
pretty small. So there's other associations. What's to say that there can't be a national collegiate football association housed in wherever, and their job is to run college football? Yeah. Well, and and so Texas, Oklahoma, their shift, I I don't know if that's confirmed or not. I know there's talk about them going over to the SEC. If they could just – if the SEC could just continue to be like – you know, the black hole of college football, Notre Dame, come come on over, uh, Clemson, come on over. I mean, there it is sort of in a nutshell right it's there. It's pretty interesting to see that. And then you see, again, I'm just, I'm reading the paper like anybody else. Right. Not the paper, I'm reading my phone. <laughs> but the articles that you read, all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't expand the playoff from four to 12. If right. we're going to have this reshuffle, let's hold hmm. on a second. Yeah. Whereas, you know. Six months ago, four months ago, it was like, yeah, we're going to maybe yeah, expand yeah. it to 12. Mm-hmm. That was the topic. Oh, gosh, we're going to expand it to 12. Now it's like, well, wait a minute. Let's see what happens here yeah. before we start talking about expanding. Because, yeah, if there's – anyway, that that's – it's an interesting time. I don't know that anybody can say where it's going to go. Right. Those high-profile conferences, the commissioners, the presidents in those conferences, who knows what they're – when they have their board meetings or whatever they call them, it's hard to say what they're saying. So you know, what's what, their, what, what do they want to accomplish? Right. I don't know. What do you think – what leverage does the NCAA still have? Like could they say hypothetically, fine, you, I mean take football, but but the rest have to go. You got to figure out something for your softball team too because we're not just going to – I don't know. If, let's just say there's a National Pigeon Football Association and it's made up of you know 100 of the top football programs. And that, sure. that's their – they're going to manage football. Yeah. But they don't want to mess with baseball and softball. Sure. NCAA, you still do that. I don't know if the NCAA has an association made up of a thousand schools, yeah. Knox being one of them, if they would say, no, we're not going to let that happen. If hmm. you're going to take football and run it out of some other organization, yeah. then you also can't, you softball, baseball, you're not, we're not going to put that, yeah. we're not going to sponsor those sports as an NCAA sport. I don't know. I, w- I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I would yeah. think that the NCAA membership, yeah. This isn't the building downtown with 500 people on staff making the decision. Mm-hmm. I would think the membership would have to make a really tough decision yeah. about, okay, are we better off still having those schools, softball and baseball teams as part of our association? Or are we strong enough to say, nope, take everything? So let's just mm-hmm. say they take the position, nope, NCAA is not going to, as an association, we're not going to even let you play softball or baseball then right. either. So what's left then? That's right. You're left with we're going to tell them they can't. So they take their basketball teams now. Hmm. So Kentucky, Duke, they North Carolina, they're going to go now. They're going to form their own the National Collegiate Basketball Association. Right. I would think the NCAA membership would say we'll take whatever you whatever don't want. Is. Well, wouldn't I? I believe you. And I hope that if they do, they find a way to capitalize in, in a way that the this hypothetical National Collegiate Football Association would make stars of their player, however it is. Because otherwise, what's what's to stop the next uprising? So you you know, basketball forms all of a sudden the College World Series. You put so many so much National effort. Collegiate Baseball Association. You know what I mean? And then boom, boom. And you, so eventually, you're left with only the ones that don't have enough of a fan base to create their own revenue. That seems like a tricky place. Yeah, you're you're left. It may take time for that evolve to evolve, but if if there's a national football, national collegiate football association, they got a staff. Yeah, they run the bowl games. Sure, maybe they change around the bowl games. Maybe it's a 32 team playoff. Who knows sure. what they do? But their mm-hmm. area is by golly, we're yeah. running college. We're running Division One high level football. Right. I don't know. I would think the member institutions would say we'll. Take whatever we can keep because we're an association. We still want we want those schools, softball teams and baseball teams to be part of our association. Yeah. But do those sports then say, well, we might as well go over here too and negotiate our own contract mm-hmm. and have the National Collegiate Baseball Association? Or does the National Collegiate Football Association change its name yeah. and become the National Collegiate something where they also have baseball and softball as part of their purview? Yeah. I think it's hard to say. It's hard to say what those presidents and commissioners are thinking. Mm, right. Because they're not telling the media everything. No. Stuff leaks out. You don't know right. if it's you don't know if it's accurate. 
But when they're behind closed doors, what are they saying they want to do? Mm -hmm. Keep the NCA in place. Just form a new division. Call it the Gold Division. Right. We'll stay right here, NCA. We'll stay right within your walls. Sure. Just call it the Gold Division. Yeah. Or whatever. Sure. And let us do what we want to do. Right. And still keep Division One, keep Division Two, keep Division Three as they are. Sure. But let's keep this division for this level of minor league type professional sports. Yeah. NCA can change its rules. That's they can, right. They, President Emmer has called a special committee to meet no later than November to report out in January. Their charge is to look at the current structure. Is it time to change how we do business? Yeah. Maybe maybe that recommendation will be we need a coal division. Yeah. Division one, division two, division three, and a division one gold. Let's call right. it that. Well, I mean, and division one gold is that's right. That's it. And they've got rules where you can get a car. Sure. You can get paid. Sure. It's a whole different element, but it's still part of the NCAA. Right. We just have changed our rules. Right. No, Which wouldn't paid. be crazy. So you go from F FCS, FBS, and then FBS gold, hypothetically. There there are tiers already sort of in place. Would Knox College vote in favor of that? Yeah. If you said to Knox College, if you don't vote in favor of this, yeah. they're leaving. Mm-hmm. Well... Yeah, but we've never been, the NCA's never, I know we've never done that in 115 years. Right. But maybe it's time yeah. to do it differently so that the ones that have the potential to do that can do that mm -hmm. within the NCA structure. Right. As opposed to making them leave the NCA structure to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. They may, and, and, and they, that group, we don't know this, that group may say, we don't want to be a part of the NCAA structure anymore. We really hmm. do want to move on. Yeah. It's time. It's been a good 115 years. Right. You know, it's been a, it's been a dang good marriage. Yeah, yeah. It's time for something different. It's yeah. going to be called the National Collegiate Football Association or something else. And we're going to start over. That the, the advantage they could do is they then can start with a new piece of paper. Yeah. All right. Let's get in the room for a week and come up with new rules. That's right. Maybe there's none. <laughs> yeah. There's no rules. Pure collegiate capitalism. Well, and that's the thing. At, at that level, those are businessmen and, and women, right, R running those programs. With a passion for sports, sure, but but they understand capitalism. So it, it, what occurs to me, and I have this conversation, and, and uh, I think emotion is a wonderful guide, um, but, it, but it shouldn't usually have the final say when it comes to these sorts of matters. And a lot has come up even in the course of the Olympics. And, I, and I have, I've been part of some pretty fiery conversations. I don't necessarily get all that heated about it. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. But I always sort of default to organizations like the NCAA, U.S. Olympic Committee. Not that they're flawless in any way, shape, or form, but the concept of this is kind of what we said and agreed on and we made it really clear and it was violated. And, and, and the humility though, then to say, okay, and, and we'll take a close look. We know maybe it caused some problems and we'll take a look in the off season. Maybe next year this will be different, but, but this year that's what it was, is such a simple idea to me. I think what it requires, and maybe, maybe you can speak to this, is faith on behalf of the public, the athletes, the coaches, that that sort of deliberation is going on that if it gets sort of tangled then in the quote off season there'll be a reevaluation i think in theory that's always been true for things like the rules of the game yeah we don't like the way you're calling three seconds in the lane okay we'll take a look at it maybe change it next year. right we're not gonna change it this year right the nba is starting to change rules i think even major league baseball they're, they're becoming more agile Yep. They are changing rules quicker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the way it ought to be. But it depends on what you're changing. And if you play the first half mm -hmm. of a season where the extra point only counts one when you kick it, but the second half of the season it counts two because you thought maybe it'd make it more exciting. Well, I don't know. Is that fair? Right. Because the games in the first half of the season now are different than the games of the second half of the season. Some would say, so what? We're making the same rule for everybody. Yeah. It's not like we only changed it for Knox. Right. We changed it for Knox, Mama, Grinnell. They all now can get right. two points by kicking an extra point rather right. than one. Yeah, but the game in the first five games ended sure. to people like maybe you and me, yeah. it doesn't seem fair. Right. But some would say it's we're doing the same thing for all teams. Yeah. We're not cheating anybody here. Right. 
It's it's it's. I don't know. It, it, it but, def- but the, historically, the NCA has definitely functioned that way. We'll take right. a look at it. Yeah, yeah. And we'll study it. Yeah. And we'll maybe make a change next year. Right. When that, and that seems like the way. And, and I guess I won't advocate any for anything in particular, but that certainly is the way that I see it. Switching halfway, uh, there's something off about that. And but the concept of fairness is, I think, where the waters get a little muddy. It gets muddy, but I think those who say we're doing the same thing for all teams, so it's fair for everybody. Yeah, it's hard to argue against that. Yeah, the the argument I would make is, yeah, but you train based upon a certain That's right. set of rules. That's right. I'm now really good at kicking a field goal, and you're not very good at kicking a field right. goal. And now we change it to where, and you're okay with that because it's only one point. Right. You're going to run for two points anyway. That's right. Right. Now I get the benefit of kicking for two, and I'm really good at kicking, and you're not worth a hoot because you you didn't practice. Practice, recruit for it. Yeah. The rule, but, well, I right. didn't train that way. I didn't train to kick an extra point. All we do is run for two, and we get it 80% right. of the time. Right. That's exactly right. I, I, I think that's exactly right. And sometimes and, – and people, I think folks might need concrete examples like that. You could say, well, the 400 – uh, someone was blowing away the competition. The 400, it was it wasn't competitive enough. Let's stretch it to 420. It, you know what I mean? You can't do that. You know, m- mid season. If you anyway, so we're definitely on the same page with that. In evaluation process, this is in, in this. Feel free to pass on this one. But one that comes to me all the time, just the nature of the work that I've been doing. Equity is a big part of of what we try to do. Um, the transgender conversation comes up all the time. It's, it is, uh, it, it's a hot topic, especially the New Zealand weightlifter, uh, yep. has, has really been in the news. Um, I, I guess I, I certainly wouldn't ask you to, to share any like personal sentiment or anything like that, but how will the NCAA approach this? Do you think it's, it's been a, it's not a new topic. It's yeah. been around at least I was in the playing rules area starting in 2013. And shortly after that, we had a swimmer who was transitioning from female to male yeah. swimmer. And so it's, and it was an issue, a big issue. It was at a very small school, not high profile. Right. Nobody was going to read about it in the paper probably, mm-hmm. but it was a big issue because the swimmer, when they were transitioning, they still wanted to wear a full suit mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to just what the men wear. Right. And the rule said, no, if you're swimming in the men's race. You got to wear a short this short. Uniform, you got to right. wear this is the uniform. They still wanted, this person still wanted to wear the women's suit. Again, it wasn't high profile school, high profile athlete, but it was a tough one because, okay, we're going to let them do this because the rule says you can't. If you're going to swim in the men's race, this is the uniform. Right. You can't wear a women's uniform because it provides more glide through the water. Right. That's right. Maybe it's just a fraction, but the research shows it provides more Absolutely glide. Absolutely. So it's not new. It's been around at least eight years. I'm sure it goes back even further. There's... There's a tennis player from the 80s who transitioned from male to female. Mm-hmm. Renee Richardson mm. is probably the first one I ever remember hearing of a person transitioning. Pro tennis player. Yep. So, so Brent, decades. I don't know where it'll go. The NCAA historically, at least in recent years, has been pretty much, I think, inconsistent with how the International Olympic Committee right. views it. Right. If you can achieve certain marks medically... Mm-hmm. then you can compete in the other gender's sport. If you don't meet those marks, you can't. Right. I don't know if those marks are at the right place. Mm-hmm. Some would say, there is no way. I don't care where you put the marks. Right. There is no way a guy born male should compete in a women's race. Yeah. I think science, research shows, well, if they do a certain amount of, of medicine, take medicine over a year's time, right. they ought to be able to compete. Hmm. In the women's race, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know either, and probably I'll. I, I've looked into it a lot, but I won't claim to know either. I think it will take a lot of really close looking. Uh, the, the theories that I've heard—it's so interesting to me. I'll tell you, you know, I've competed in powerlifting. Um, I, I've coached some powerlifting teams. We happened the Good Athlete Project. We we run the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association, so it's something that we've had to kind of add into the way that we approach things as well. Um, I remember, I say this because I remember the first time I heard uh, of a powerlifter taking steroids. Um, and I was like, for whatever, so naive to think that they wouldn't. But in a sport where physical strength essentially is the sport. Yes, there's technique. Yes, there's training models that are more successful than others. But 
Uh, ultimately, that's the sport. So to think that that would be sort of artificially enhanced was sort of a, a buzzkill to me. It, it threw me a little bit. I think in weightlifting in particular, now Olympic weightlifting is probably, it, it is more highly technical than powerlifting in a traditional sense. But the, the thoughts that I've heard um, include a reexamination of exactly what you were saying, like, like free-flowing, I don't know the terms, yeah. but available testosterone, you know, yeah. free-flowing through the blood. Then, then these sort of uh, supplementary arguments come from, well, if someone is, um, say they're born male and they are male until 30, you know, what does that do to bone density and, and a handful of other things that, that matter in sports like this? Yeah. And I don't know where I sit and I won't make a proclamation. I would say that it all deserves to be examined though. And I think in a big position of ours is the willingness to sit down and have a conversation is probably the most essential yep. starting place. You mentioned that some folks are just say, well, a guy can never compete against a girl and just have this sort of mental block for that sort of conversation with no disrespect to one's personal state. That's not that, you know, that sort of thinking doesn't really belong in places I would imagine like the NCAA or the U.S. Olympic Committee, it, you, you have to um, remove judgment, assess I th only. I think in the, in the, 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 the era of, in, of being inclusive, yeah. you can't just say no. Mm -hmm. you got to right. look at it right. and, and, and come up with some good reasons one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Maybe decades ago you could say no. But Renee Richards or Renee Richardson, I can't remember if it's Richardson or Richards, I mean, tennis player, a good male tennis player transitions to female. Yeah. And I remember, I don't remember how it came out, but I, I'm sure the, the uh, whatever the tennis association was in the 80s right. or 70s pulled their hair out trying right. to figure out what to what, do right. with this. Right. Can this person really now compete against women? Yeah. Under the name Renee rather than Richard Richardson or now Renee Richardson? I mean, so it's not new, but... In this day and age, for sure, people are going to say we got at least we need to look into it and mm -hmm. talk about it and think about it and let some evidence help dictate the decision that we're. That's going to right. Make. That's right. Well, I would say that that's, from my perspective, a pretty good sort of full circle moment in the sense that all of this has been about all this conversation, self awareness, being really being thoughtful. Um, and, and, and for the sake of this platform that we both appreciate so much, which is athletics. We need as many thoughtful, well-intended folks in the field as we can possibly get. I agree hundred percent. And I'm glad you're in the field. I, well, that's so kind of you to you're say doing good things. I'm sure. Well, so this is our final question. This is, this brings it all together. If you had to give advice to the younger version of you at the front end of a career in sport, what would that look like? I would say that if you, if you want to get into sports as a career, Make a living in sport. Yeah. I mean, any capacity, I think, whether it's a sports writer, an administrator at the NC office, a researcher, a coach, a commissioner. I would, and I, I, I think I probably had this attitude, but I would think it still would be the right attitude. You got to get your foot in the door and your foot in the door doesn't mean the job that you dream about. Right. It's not going to be that probably. Maybe in some cases you get that foot in the door and right out of the gate, you're a head basketball coach at the place you want to spend the rest of your life. Right. But I would say that if you're really interested in it, you got to get involved and you got to get your foot in the door. And it may mean a crummy job. Mm. It yep. may mean a job where you're even volunteering. Mm -hmm. So you've got to do something on the side to put food on the table for yourself or your family. But you're not going to jump up to being the commissioner of the SEC Right. You're not going to be the head basketball coach at Knox College. You're probably not. You're not going to be at the NCAA office. You're you're not going to coach an Olympic wrestler that first job. You got to just get in there, right? And you got to be willing to do whatever that is. That might be literally crummy stuff. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to, if that, if you're sure you want to, mm -hmm. that's the attitude you have to have. Mm -hmm. And it may not mean more schooling either. It may mean just getting to work. Just yeah. Because some people think, well, I'm going to get a master's in sports administration. Then I'm going to get my PhD in sports administration. Yeah. And surely I'll get a commissioner's job after that, won't I? Yeah. No. Yeah. You're probably better off not getting a PhD. You're probably, you may well be better off being a, 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 a get your foot in the door anywhere. Yeah, I'll get a master's in sports administration or something like that. But if you want to be a commissioner of the SEC or the Big Ten someday, getting a PhD and thinking you're going to get that job isn't going to happen. You're yeah. going to have to 
you're going to have to earn your way up the ladder. Mm -hmm. No doubt. So, and I think also when you're passing people along the way, they may be your boss someday. Mm -hmm. So you better treat all of them the way you want them to treat you because it is, sport is interesting. There are people that I've come across in my 40 years who back when I met them are at an unbelievable place. Yeah. I would have never thought they, if you'd said to me, oh, they're going to be here someday. I would yeah. not, I won't be there. Right. Or <laughs> you're going to, they're actually going to be your boss someday. Yeah. You're kidding me. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be your boss. You're going to be, you're going to be applying for a job that they're the one making the decision. On. Right. So inside of just being a good person. Right. And that's the real reason to do it. Mm -hmm. Professionally, you better do it because you just don't know when you're going to cross again somewhere down the road mm -hmm. with someone who also was in the same grad program you were in. Right. And you didn't know them at all. But you never know where they may end up. And if right. you really want to, plus it pays to be a, you know, what we learned in kindergarten is really what we need to know. Be right. nice. Right. You know, <laughs> right. Say thanks. Yeah. Ask. All that stuff is really true. Yeah. But I don't think. Key there. You hit that. Those are the ultimate notes. Yeah, I, what I'm hearing is kindness and humility and, and work ethic and all, like you say, all those things that you are sort of taught at a very young age. And just to put a punctuation mark on that, we had the last podcast I recorded was with the head strength football strength coach at Georgia Tech, who echoed something that we've had on the podcast before. Folks like Frank Beamer, Mike Ditka, people who like Hall of Fame caliber coaches, and almost to a person will say something like that. Like uh, you got to volunteer, you got to do the hard stuff. You know, they, uh, many of these folks started either with very little pay or no pay just because they were passionate about the work and yeah. learned as they went along. So I think that's incredible advice. It may as well be kind while you're doing it. And you might as well be kind while you're doing it. <laughs> exactly right. I appreciate it. Coach, thank you so much uh, for your time. I look forward to our conversations always. I hope for many more. And I'm excited to share this one with the world. My pleasure, Jim. Been a real pleasure. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them's up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T.com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.